Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today and with the topic of post-soybean herbicides. Uh, I walked in the studio today and uh, talked to my sister Janelle and said, I'm so excited. We're going to talk post-soybean herbicides. That means we've got soybeans that are up and out of the ground. It's awesome. It's awesome. All right. Well, I, I am excited. I am Darren Hefty. My brother Brian will be joining us here on the phone, too, as he's out and about today. Brian, what are you seeing as you're out in the country? Not many soybeans up, I'll say that. So, yes, on our farm, we do have beans up, and it's it's kind of exciting. I'm glad. I'm glad also that our beans didn't pop up too early. We planted the last week of April, and we always worry about those early May frosts. But anyway, at this point, when the beans are this small, yeah, we can talk about the great post-emerge burndown type products, but I guess I would also remind people, you can use a Group 15, whether it's Warrant, Outlook, Dual, or combination products that contain a Group 15 like Warrant Ultra or Anthem Max. The reason why we want that out there is to get some more weed control here for the next few weeks. All right. Hey, one thing I, I want to throw this in here too, and we, we can talk weed control and, and getting awesome yields and all that, but I, I just want to throw this thought out there because I know you've been out to a number of fields too, Brian, uh, just like I have where farmers have said, something's going on here. My leaves are all cupped up. I have no idea who sprayed dicamba. All my neighbors were doing something else. And I get out there and I look at the field and it's the same all the way across the field. And it's a drawstring on the leaf. It's not a cupped up leaf. And when I say, well, that's not dicamba at all, uh, I don't know. The reaction that I get from most guys like, what are you talking about? Of course that's dicamba. And I'm like, no, dicamba cups leaves up. This, this doesn't. But group 15s can have that impact on leaves, and you will see some leaf puckering in many cases. It doesn't seem to hurt yield at all. You don't really see less pods on those plants than the ones that got missed. Oftentimes you see more because you have less weed competition and, and that's great. But just know when you're spraying those group 15s, you, you're probably going to pucker up a few leaves and that's just fine. That's just part of the game. The other thing you're going to do is you're probably going to shorten that bean just a little bit. And that's a good thing 99% of the time. Now, granted, if you're planting two months later than you normally would, maybe not. But the reason why we like a little bit shorter bean is we have a lot less risk for sclerotinia white mold. So anyway, these group 15s, they're great. Now you mentioned dicamba and probably the biggest thing I've been talking to people about with dicamba is just please, please spray early. Be on the early side rather than on the late side. The later you get, the more risk you run for volatility issues and damaging somebody else's soybeans. So if you've got dicamba to spray, try to get it done early. And like I say, if you want to use a group 15 or some other residual herbicide that's going to give you that killing power later in the year, hopefully you don't have to run another shot of dicamba or something else. But anyway, the dates have also, are, are also not super consistent. It's not June 30th everywhere. So for example, in southern Minnesota, would they move it to June 9th, I think, June 7th, something like that? They moved it way up. I was thinking it was the 12th, but it's it's pretty early, and okay, especially well, anyway, if you're getting beans in uh, towards the end of June, that doesn't give you a lot of time. Or towards the end of May, no. I'm sorry. Now, yeah, now granted, not every area has done that, but there may be other changes that could happen even in the next couple of weeks. Who knows how it'll turn out? But what we're trying to say here is be prepared for that. So if you have 
straight extend beans and your only choice is dicamba or roundup, well, I'd be getting that done early before we run into any possible problems if a label would happen to change in the next two, three weeks. But yeah, we really like residual herbicides and we like killing weeds when they're small. They are much easier to control. And the bigger side of this is you get better yields. If you let weeds compete against your, your crop for very long, your yield's going down and you can't afford that this year. This is the year I've been saying to a lot of people, you can hit the home run. I mean, you can make a good amount of money if you have a great yield, we have a good price. I mean, it, it could be super fun, but you don't want weeds to, to, to knock that yield down. All right, Brian, uh, last question I got for you here. High pH, low pH soil, picking post-emerge soybean herbicides. That's always been a big deal. We've always had some watchouts when we get pH extremes, which is part of the reason that we're so passionate talking about soil fertility and pH and getting things in balance in your soil. What are the big watchouts there with pH? Well, the good news is it, it's not a real big deal post-emerge, much bigger deal pre, with a pre-emerge herbicide. But in terms of post-products, the one that stands out to me would be Pursuit, the ALS family. Um, we, we've had carryover issues in the past, but like Pursuit, it actually carries over more in low pH ground, and a lot of people don't realize that. Most herbicides, we have more issues in high pH ground, but not with Pursuit. That problem is if your pH is down in the fours and fives, you really have to watch out. Yeah, that can be a real concern. And it's just some of those things you got to be aware of as you're heading across fields. We're talking post-soybean herbicides on today's Ag PhD radio program. And, of course, taking your calls and agronomic questions throughout. Uh, looking at early emergence things on soybeans too, Brian, this is another thing where there's a lot of soybeans that are up that are only in the cotyledon stage or maybe in the unifoliate stage. If you're going to spray anything harsh, I would definitely wait a little bit, let them get some more growth to them. Hey, I was going to throw in too, Flexstar, 10-month rotational restriction to corn. So be careful how late you're spraying Flexstar. Get that done really soon if you want to plant corn early next year. All right, lots to think about here as, as we're gearing up for post-soybean herbicide spraying and, of course, all those weed identification questions and then just the debate between, well, is this weed my biggest issue or this one? If you get to a herbicide choice where, man, there isn't anything that gets everything anymore. We used to have that with Roundup, and it was pretty easy there for a little while of, oh, okay, that you may have to boost your rate just a little bit if you had a perennial weed or something like that or a really big winter annual out there. But in general, Roundup could just get them all. Well, now it doesn't. So we're looking at a lot of different choices here for post-emerge soybean herbicides. We'll discuss some of them today on the program. If you have a question, you can always email us, radio at agphd.com. We'll be right back. What's new from New Farm? Longbow EC Herbicide, the latest in our portfolio of versatile weed management tools, gives you another Carfentrazone option, taking aim at more than 60 broadleaf weed species. And did we mention economical? Longbow EC's low use rate makes it a flexible tank mix partner with most burned down non-selective herbicides. Ask your dealer for Longbow EC, available for fall. Help keep the toughest, most resistant diseases out of your fields with Lucinto fungicide from FMC. 
An exclusive novel premix of two modes of action delivers broad-spectrum control and a long-lasting protective residual. Tackle key diseases in corn, soybeans, wheat, peanuts, and sugar beets. Choose Lucinto fungicide from FMC. Visit your FMC retailer or lucinto.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow label directions for use. Be sure to attend the 2022 Ag PhD Field Day. At this year's Ag PhD Field Day, we'll have way more equipment and equipment demonstrations than we've ever had before. We've got a lot of new technologies we'll put into our research plots on site, and we'll have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and free food and drinks all throughout the day. Please go to agphd.com to learn more, and don't forget to join us on Thursday, July 28th for the free Ag PhD Field Day. It takes balance to be successful in farming, because what you get out of it depends on what you put in, and Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today, talking about post-emerge soybean herbicides. And you know what? If you are still planting, Brandon made this comment earlier, we've got some beans up on our farm. Most guys in our area don't yet, because uh, honestly, some are still putting the beans in the ground or or planted corn first and, and still have some beans to go, whatever the case may be. Um, and you might be thinking, okay, I'm going to just keep planting here and I might get into that situation where I have to do something uh, post and I don't get anything out there pre. So it's going to be interesting, some of these decisions that we get into with post-emerge soybean spraying this year. Got our friend Lynn Holm on right now with FMC to talk about some of the options that you've got post-emerge. Lynn, thanks for joining us today. Hey, thank you, Darren, and uh, great to be with you today. And, you know, you guys are... uh, talking right into uh, our playing ground there with the residuals and uh, really like to see those guys get uh, an opportunity to get a residual on uh, pre-emerge. But if a situation happens where those beans start popping out of the ground, we do have uh, Anthem Max, which is a combination. It's got two modes of action and it really does give you the best of both worlds where you get that contact uh, control burn down with, for broadleaves, and then you also uh, get that residual. And it's it's got uh, the, one of the best group 15s in the marketplace for both grass and water hemp and palmer. So um, that's a product that we get a lot of flexibility out of with. Sure, sure. Now, just compare that, I guess, uh, before we talk all about post stuff necessarily here, when you look at the authority products, uh, a lot of guys will say, okay, I'm going to plant and I'm going to try to immediately follow with the sprayer. But you know how that goes. Every once in a while, a rain shower pops up or or something happens and they can't get right back out there. But if they're out there within a few days of planting and the beans haven't cracked through the soil yet at all, uh, you can still run with authority. So how does using an authority product compare to using Anthem Max? What are some of the strengths, weaknesses of either way? Right. With the pre-emerge, obviously, you've got a, a little bit more range of 
remixes, so you can choose whether you which brand of authority you would like, whether it's the uh, authority first or the authority assist or supreme or edge. Um, and so that gives you a little bit more flexibility depending on what your weed spectrum is and, and uh, what, what you're going after. With the Anthem Max, that gives you a little bit wider range of a- application because um, that Anthem Max label is um, you can go pre-emerge all the way up to V6 on those beans. And so you really have a wide range of, of application. And, and sometimes that's necessary depending on what's what's going on, what those weather conditions are, and uh, just kind of what, what your farming business is, is set up. And so, you know, just kind of looking at, at those situations, um, always like to get that pre-emerge on. That, that would be my first choice. Um, that's just going to give you, you know, that good foundation to keep those weeds from uh, coming up. And I'd always rather do that than uh, play the chase game because uh, it's always a difficult thing once you start chasing those weeds. Yeah, it sure is. And, and you know, well, there's a lot of product switching at this time of year. Guys say, oh, man, I, my beans are cracking through. I'm going to have to bring back the Authority product and, and pick up some Anthem Max. I think there's a lot of pleasantly surprised guys that are like, oh, that's the use for Anthem Max. That's not so much product to handle. Do you get that response a lot, Lynn? Or even the confusion of, wait, do I have this right? Is it really a low use rate? Yes. That's nice. It is. Uh, we were just talking about that. It's, you know, average of three ounces to the acre. There's a wider range, but average of uh, three ounces to the acre in a two and a half gallon jug is going to get you over a hundred acres at that rate. And so there's all sorts of nice things uh, about that um, just that lower use rate as far as mixing as far as amount of product you need to store in the shed take out to the field containers that you got to take care of rinse and recycle when you're finished and and not only a lower use rate but you're getting the latest group 15 chemistry and so i kind of like to compare it to everybody's got a cell phone right and uh, you and I are of of the generation remember when those came out and they were bag phones right we thought that was pretty cool and uh, now we think it's crazy if we would carry around a bag phone. And, and the Anthem Max, the chemistry in there is like that. It, it's, it's like today's cell phone. It's, it's got the, the best group 15 you can have on some of those tough weeds like the Palmer amaranth and the pigweed species. And so that's not only a u- low use rate, it's easy to tank mix with multiple tank mix partners. It's got a contact pr- component in there. So you've got two modes of action so that not only are you getting residual control, but you're also getting that synergistic effect of a burn down on those broadleaves. So it's it's a product that is you know has a wide range of application and easy to use. Well, when you look at the two components in there, you've got a group 15 and you got cadet. So you have components that can go on corn or they can go on soybeans. And I know a lot of farmers will talk about that too, that, man, that sure is nice. I, I don't have to worry about it if I uh, switch crops or if I get over onto the corn side a little bit. How late can you go post-emerge? I mean, obviously you want to be out there before the weeds are up is the best, or if they're really, really small so the cadet can do just an awesome job on them. But how big can the crop be in corn? and soybeans with Anthem Max. Right. So we have um, pre-emerged to V6 on soybeans. And so that's a really nice wide window of application. And then on corn, we go uh, up to that V4 on corn. So pretty good size window on, on both crops. Um, so yeah, that, that really makes that product easy to use. 
All right. Another thing that I think has been kind of a nice feature is the cadet component doesn't have the rotational issues that some of the competitive products have got. Can you talk a little bit about that one? Because I think when cadet came out, I, I don't know what happened, Lynn, but in many farmers' minds, they thought, okay, that's my late rescue product. And for me, I, I look at Cadet as, hey, this is my first pass post-emerge through the field to knock down these weeds before they get out of hand. And I think you're right. They they looked at some other options and thought, oh, on these smaller weeds, and maybe maybe it was in the air, uh, you know, time when Pursuit came out, and and you know, kind of one of those things where they, uh, okay, I'll put the Pursuit out first, and then if that doesn't get everything, I'll come back with the Cadet. But you're right, the two inch weed window is the perfect spot for the Cadet. The one exception is valve leaf. And so uh, if you're out after a rescue situation with valve leaf, you can go up to six inch valve leaf, which maybe is why they kind of started uh, correlating cadet with maybe a rescue situation. But uh, that would be the only situation where I would be putting uh, cadet out on, on weeds that were much bigger than two inches. Um, the one other question I've gotten a, a couple times already this spring, too, is the ability to mix in a volunteer corn product with either the Authority products or the Anthem Max. And uh, so that is something that we can do with either of any of the Authority products and uh, the Anthem Max, is if guys got volunteer corn starting to pop up and they want to throw something in there for that volunteer corn, they certainly can put in um, some type of a, a grass component and uh, get control of that volunteer corn with their Anthem Max or their Authority products. You know, that's going to be an interesting discussion this year too, Lynn, because when we saw volunteer corn herbicides tank mixed with uh, an Enlist product or an Extend product, uh, the Dicamba and 240 had some antagonism there, but we just haven't seen that when we're mixing with Cadet or mixing with Anthem Max, that normal, normal rates of those volunteer corn herbicides have worked pretty well. Have you seen the same thing? We have, and uh, that's kind of a nice thing with uh, some of this volunteer corn starting to pop up a little earlier than people anticipate, and just uh, being able to get uh, that cleaned up without having to make a separate trip. Yeah, that's exactly right. And and here we are in 2022 where we're going to be happy just to get out there once and we probably don't want to make multiple trips. So we're, we're looking at different products that, that can be used. Anthem Max from FMC has been a nice one post-emerge with that residual component from the Group 15 and also some help from the cadet to take down weeds that are already up. Talking with Lynn Holm here with FMC. Lynn, thank you so much. We really appreciate having you on today. Hey, thank you. You have a great day. You as well. Uh, it's always fun talking post-emerge soybean herbicides. What can we do to stop those tough weeds? And in soybeans, man, does that make a big difference in terms of yield if you can wipe out those tough broadleaf weeds. We'll talk more about that on today's program and take your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Whether or not, relentless control is what you get with Anthem Max Herbicide from FMC. Protect your season from tough broadleaf weeds and grasses with dual modes of action and overlapping residuals that also minimize resistance. With an easy-to-tank mix formulation and wide application window, Anthem Max Herbicide is ready when you are. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. 
It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Come to the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event this summer. Here at Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support and encourage folks entering the ag industry. That's why we're devoting a full day, Saturday, June 25th, to the free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event. Though this day is geared towards high school and college students as well as young farmers, anyone with a desire to learn more about agronomy is more than welcome. Our hands-on sessions in the field will include a comprehensive guide to scouting, ways to improve soil and crop health, the role of natural microbes in farming, and how to best collect and manage on-farm data. Plus, we're giving away tens of thousands of dollars in scholarships to eligible attendees. So whether you're a college student or just want some good agronomy information, this is one event you won't want to miss. It's the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships Day, Saturday, June 25th on the Hefty Farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Learn more and register at agphd.com. Each year brings new and unique challenges to farming, and your operation needs to constantly adapt to meet them. That's why at AgBiome, we're working every day to bring you new and better solutions, microbial-based solutions that protect your crop and help it reach its full potential. To learn more about how we're doing it, visit agbiome.com. That's A-G-B-I-O-M-E.com. AgBiome, feeding the world responsibly, partnering with microbes for human benefit. This is Stormy Fields with your weather forecast. Today calls for a high of 68 degrees with sunny skies and not a cloud in sight. Planting windows can close fast, so when you need both speed and accuracy, choose John Deere. Our exact eMERGE planters and precision ag technologies give you precise seed placement for uniform emergence and the efficiency you need to gain ground. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. We are talking post-soybean herbicides on today's Ag PhD radio program and taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. And, of course, you can always email us, radio at agphd.com. Well, we're going to head north, and I'm not sure where this is going to go. I hope it's not a we're still too wet to plant story. I hope it's a more encouraging story from Bridget Riedel with Corteva. Bridget, you guys have had a tough go up north. How's it going right now? North Dakota, the land of extremes. You're welcome to join us anytime. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, so what a far, what a spring. Oh man, it's been wild. And by the way, I saw all sorts of electrical power trucks heading from western North Dakota after fixing the blizzards to your neighborhood, Brookings to Sioux Falls, to fix everything yeah. post derecho. So oh it's been a lot. We're getting back in the field. We're picking and choosing the fields we want to be on and not get stuck. That's exactly right. Okay, so one of the exciting new options has been Enlist Soybeans and the option mm -hmm. of using Enlist One, both in the burndown for all the no-till guys. That's been fantastic, but uh, then post-emerge as well. So talk to us about what you're seeing, because I know there were guys saying, oh, I don't know, I don't know if this is going to work, and I don't know if I believe this isn't going to volatilize and move all over, but, but we've sure been happy down here. How's it been going up north? Yeah, 
been going really well. And and I will say, as someone who has been working with this product since its inception, I feel very confident in the technology. And I've seen it stay put. Uh, I have an example. I call it slightly revengeful spraying, but it worked. And let's just say that farmer spraying Enlist did not hurt uh, next nor non-Enlist soybeans. So we know it stays where we put it. There's a few reminders I really want to make sure people think about when they're applying that product. Number one, full labeled rates. This is not an option, boys and girls. We've got to make sure that we are using two pints of Enlist One or 4.7 pints of Enlist Duo because all weeds right now need to be controlled as best possible. Full labeled rates do that. Additionally, using enough water volume. We recommend 10 to 15 gallons of water, particularly when you have tank mixes. If you happen to be mixing with glufosinate, such as Liberty, we'd want to see 20 gallons. Good coverage matters, especially with the conditions we're seeing. Darren, you're well aware across the U.S., we've had drought conditions, we've had colder temperatures. All of those things affect the hardiness of the weeds we're trying to control. So we got to give it our best foot forward, and that's full rate as well as good water conditions. You know, you bring up a couple of really good points there. Anybody that's had a mixing issue as they've been mixing in List One as one of the tank mix partners, every single case so far that I've run across, hey, can you put some more water in? And it's made things mm-hmm. better. So I would sure I would agree with you. Don't try and skimp on the water. And then the full rate is another question that I've got. If, any, if I had any complaint about the whole enlist system, I wish they had higher rates labeled because honestly, where we've accidentally doubled up, we didn't hurt the crop. And there's right. some big weeds out there in some of these fields. And you, you know how it goes. It gets too wet. You can't get out there or mm-hmm. you, you missed a spot of the field or something and you have to come back and, oh, my gosh, the weeds are big. Uh, I'd sure love to have a higher rate. Is there any potential of that happening down the road? You know, I think labels are always going to be reviewed and revised as necessary. But let's start out by making sure we have our best foot forward and not forgetting the use of our pre's and our layered residuals. And I know folks are going to say, I hear that story all the time, but it matters. When you look at the mid-southern states where we have Palmer amaranth that has eight-way resistance going on, we cannot let that happen in other parts of the U.S. And so, irregardless of remembering to use your full labeled rate in crop, do not forget about putting that pre down in your areas where you're fighting Palmer amaranth or water hemp. Bring in that layered residual. Use a metolachlor such as Everprex to make sure that we're giving every shot we can. Because, as you said, Darren, you have weeds that are fighting real hard to survive. We've got to do everything we can to block them. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about that. And and then, you know, we think about crop rotations and just what our total plan is going to be. And for, for a lot sure. of guys in, in northern Minnesota and up in North Dakota, uh, they're making some changes this year to what they anticipated just based on <laughs> when their planting date's going to be. It's been kind of a nice thing. You don't have to worry about the rotational restrictions with Enlist One. That's been a nice, nice feature. Absolutely. And a lot of the pre's that are out there, you can manage as well. Some have longer rotations with some of your sensitive crops. Others, for instance, I live in a neighborhood with a lot of sugar beets. And we look at using a product like Euphoria because we know that we have a great safety margin. We don't have to worry about going to sugar beets the next year. You know, one other thing that can really make the difference, as you said, when it's wet and you can't get to the field as timely as you'd like, quality adjuvants. Let's not forget that when we're doing those tank mixes, we want to make sure we use an adjuvant that assists us in getting into the plant and giving its best control. 
I'm a little bit revengeful about spring. I'm okay with digging up some leaves in favor of controlling that weed and knowing my soybean plant's going to grow out of that situation through the season. Bridget, one last question for you. The label changed on Enlist One this year where it's it's now R1, and it was R2. Uh, with, with R1, do you think that's going to create any challenges for farmers? It's still a really wide window for use. I would agree. It's still a wide window for use. We must read and follow the label directions and stick with the R1. So I think uh, that's an excellent reminder that we want to have folks recall they need to have the current Enlist label with them or accessible on their phone. That means if you don't have good cellular service, either print a copy or have photos of it in case you need to be able to show that label, perhaps to your state state inspector, read the new label, be aware of any changes that are on there. And as you bring up, one of them is that we can go through R1, whereas before it was R2. All right, we're talking with Bridget Rita with Corteva. Bridget, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on and good luck to all the farmers up in your area. Thanks so much. You guys have a wonderful day. Yep, you as well. Said a little bit for well, a long ways further south. You got Sam with us right now in southern Georgia. Sam, how you doing? Yep, they catch you there, Sam. May have a phone connection issue here. We'll try and pull up Sam uh, uh, shortly here. We're, we were just talking with Bridget about the enlist system, and that is one change uh, switching to R one. And the other thing is something that Lynn Holm had brought up earlier is just some of the antagonism that we saw with the volunteer corn herbicides. The volunteer corn herbicides did work uh, for for our own farm. We were spraying Enlist soybeans last year. We were using Enlist 1 and we were mixing, well, we tried several different volunteer corn herbicides and they all worked as long as we put the right adjuvants in and as long as we uh, increase the rate. So in many cases, it was a 50% higher rate. In some cases where we had some big volunteer corn, we, we went to the max labeled rate just to make sure we got it. But there there is a little bit of antagonism there with, with Enlist and certainly with the Dicamba products on the Extend and Extend Flex soybeans too. So just be aware of that. Spend the extra dollar or two to, to add that higher rate to volunteer corn herbicide so you don't have to come back and spray again. That That's kind of a real key. And then uh, Bridget talked about just the importance of that pre. Uh, I know Brandon and I talk about the three pre's and soybeans a lot, and we talk about how we're handling those. I was just in a field yesterday with some agronomy interns, uh, college students that are that have gotten jobs for the summer as as interns in agronomy, and that was one of the things that we were talking about because we found a few sprayer skips or or uh, whatever whatever happened the sprayer did not get those areas and there was just thick thick kosha where in the areas where they did have good spray coverage there's just one here or there so it was quite a difference and when you think about these post-emerge products many aren't very good on kosha to begin with so if you've got a thick patch it's going to be tough to get coverage all the way through that patch and down to the ground so that's something you definitely want to watch if you can get a pre out there get a residual out even if hey it's too late my beans are already up Utilize something like Warrant Ultra or Anthem Max and get a nice residual product out there to at least help you going forward. It's going to take some moisture to get that residual control working, and it's probably going to take a a couple different shots as you're going across. So you can combine that with your first post-emerge pass to burn down what's up and then probably come back later in a few weeks when, when you see what's left out there that you missed. But don't miss that. It's a big, big deal. And going forward, I know it seems like your ag chem supplier is 
trying to sell you more product. Oh man, you, you should do what those ag PhD guys are doing. They're putting three modes of action out and it sounds like, oh no, they're just trying to, to sell me overkill here. That's not what we found in our research. Having more modes of action helps us fight resistance. No question about that, but also does a better job controlling the weeds. All right, looks like we got Sam back on from South Georgia. We'll pull him up right after this short break. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Stay tuned. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. That's why Morton Buildings ensures that every machine, storage, and insulated workshop we build will provide superior strength and durability. As a 100% employee-owned company, we're all committed to being the industry leader with a focus on innovation, service, quality, and most importantly, customer satisfaction. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. <sighs> Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. Learn more at caseih.com farmall. Be sure to attend the 2022 Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day isn't until the last Thursday in July, but we invite you to mark your calendars today for our biggest event ever. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we invite you to attend the Ag PhD Field Day. The reason we invite farmers from across the country and around the world to our farm each summer is to say thank you. Ag PhD TV has had a brand new episode each week for 24 years, and we've been doing a radio show almost as long as well. At this year's Ag PhD Field Day, we'll have way more equipment and equipment demonstrations than we've ever had before. We've got a lot of new technologies we'll put into our research plots on site, and we'll have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and free food and drinks all throughout the day. Please go to agphd.com to learn more. And don't forget to join us on Thursday, July 28th for the free Ag PhD Field Day. Boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from environmental tillage systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at soilwarrior.com. Farmers across the country are raving about Germinator closing wheels. Paul from New York says, I'll definitely be using the Germinator wheels again and will be telling everyone I know. For more Germinator success stories, visit farmshopmfg.com. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Hey, 
listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD here in the Morton studio. And we've got Sam in South Georgia on right now. Sam, sorry about that. We had some sort of connection issue before, but glad to have you on. What can we do for you? Hello? Hey, Sam. Hey, how are you? Good. I can't hear you on my, um, I guess I'm on my Bluetooth on my truck. But anyway... I got a couple of products we're trying a little bit. Are you familiar with Kytosan? Uh, vaguely, yes. <laughs> um, that, and we're using some biologicals. Okay. And just experiment a little bit with it um, to help build fungi to make nutrients more available and healthy roots. Um Okay. I'm sure there's many. Are, uh, are what all are you familiar with? With with, uh, with biological products? Yes. Oh, there are quite a few out there, and and uh, so you've got micronutrients that are going to go in the mix at the same time you're applying biologicals. Is that right? Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, it can be done. It's it, the risk of that is, uh, especially with things like copper and zinc, they can be um, they can be really hard on microbiology. And there's a, quite a difference between formulations that we found. Some of the sulfate formulations have been safer than, say, uh, a zinc citrate, uh, for example. So I, I'd be cautious about that. And I'd also talk to depends on which biological product that that you're using. I talk to your supplier and ask them what testing they've done with micronutrients just to make sure that, that it's going to be safe. Uh, the same thing would be with any crop protection products if they've done testing with those products to, to make sure that you're safe. If it's possible to be in a separate spray tank or in a separate application, uh, we've seen a little better performance on many of the biologicals, but it isn't always necessary. But I am a little bit concerned just depending on which nutrients are going to be in that mix and what form of nutrients they are. Okay. It, um, it's a really the, – the nutrient part of it is a really refined um, product. Um, I won't say the name of it. I, I will off – I would – I love to talk to you off air at some point, but um, <laughs> I thought it's really trying this. Um, he's really interested in it, and sure. he's, he's seen some good results. Okay, um, well, reducing yeah. costs and the quality is well is good as well. Okay. Well, you know, the other thing you can do, Sam, is do a little bit of trial work this year and say, okay, let's do this. Let's uh, let's spray off a few passes with just the biological alone, and then let's spray off a few passes with the combination, and then let's see see how things turned out and, and set up a trial so you can kind of take some of those uh, different things that could happen out of the equation and, and see, ooh, did that make a difference? Was it a positive? Did one plus one equal three, which is what we're all hoping for when we're making those combination type applications. Exactly. Have y'all, have y'all done any trials on some of these products? We sure have. We've done a lot of the biological research, uh, gosh, over the last at least five or six years on our farm on, on a number of products. And a couple of things that we found out, uh, water pH makes a difference. Uh, water hardness yeah. makes a difference. So if we can tie up things like calcium, magnesium, copper, iron, those kinds of things, those things can really influence uh, survivability of certain microbial products. And then the other thing is chlorine. 
we've got a rural water system that that is on our farm so we've got chlorinated water that that we were using for for spraying out some of these products and if we didn't neutralize that chlorine we killed about anything we put in the tank that chlorine really does its job exactly yep and well we use um, whale water so that's that's one one thing we don't have to worry about. Sure, um, sure. But we do have hard water. It's about six five. So we we do drop the pH to about five on on these products. So. Yep, I think that's a good idea. I know. Okay, I um, I'd love to talk to you one day if, if that's possible. Um, sure, and and you can you can send us uh, you can send us an email to radio at agphd.com with specific products and and if we aren't familiar with them, we can do a little research on them as well. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. Have a great day. You it's bet. Hot Thanks. In South Georgia. Oh, I, I that's what I'm hearing. All right. do, now, do you guys have a cool spell coming up uh, in a few days out there? We've got a cold spell that's supposed um, to hit here. We're like 85 today, but I think our high is in the low 60s coming up for the next few days. Uh, I think I saw that somewhere. It's supposed to be cooling down this weekend. We're, 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 we got a good chance of rain Friday and Saturday, I think. So I guess that's that front moving on through us. So, um, yeah, we could use a little bit cooler weather for a few days. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, this time of year, rain is almost always welcome, too. Absolutely. You bet. Well, thanks, Sam. We really okay. appreciate well, it. Good luck to you. You bet. Okay, thanks. Bye. Let's get back on the topic of post-emerge soybean herbicides. Get our friend Trevor Israel with Valent on with us right, right now. Trevor, how you doing? I'm doing well, Darren. Thank you. All right. So we, we've got the situation where a lot of pre's aren't getting put on or uh, guys are trying to plant and, and hurry and get the crop in and they may not get that Valor or Fierce product on before the crop pops up. We're talking about post-emerge options, both residual and contact activity of, well, what do you switch to next? And and I certainly know Valent can, can fill that bill too as well. Yeah, that's right. We we have a, uh, some products that can help out. Uh, but again, I do want to stress the importance of getting that free down if you if you can. It's uh, much easier to control these weeds uh, before they ever germinate than uh, when they're, you know, four six inches, yeah, you know, thirty inches tall. <laughs> so we're getting late in the season. So uh, if you can get that free down, I want to uh, emphasize that. But if you get planted, just you can't. Uh, uh, get a pre down in time, and it's just too uh, too dangerous to get that pre down. Um, and the beans are already cracking. There's some uh, options. Uh, one option that we have available is Perpetuo. That's a mix of a, a burn down uh, with the uh, the resource in there, and also a Group 15 residual herbicide that'll give you good uh, pre emergence control of uh, annual grasses and small broadleaf weeds. And you can apply that up to V6 and soybeans. So that's an option there, and uh, give you um, residual control, at, you know, up to the, the crop canopy uh, from that. Uh, one of the good things about Perpetuo is uh, we haven't seen any antagonism with some of the oxen herbicides, or uh, excuse me, with some of the uh, uh, oxen herbicides and Select Max tank mixes. Um, you know, you tank mix sure. it with uh, the, the corn killer in there. And then uh, we haven't seen like Select Max. We haven't seen the uh, the antagonism in there that we have with some of the other uh, post residual herbicides that are on the market. So that's a uh, one benefit there to the Perpetuo 
um, you know, with some of these tank mixes and soybeans are just getting so uh, complicated um, and more things in there and trying to determine the cause of some antagonism, it could be more than one thing. So that's an added benefit of the Perpetuo uh, that we've seen. Um, Some other, uh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, you know, when you think about some of the other things that we can do too, you look at select max for volunteer corn and we're, we're recommending, you may have to spray it twice this year. If there's volunteer corn that's up since we're getting in so late, we've already seen volunteer corn up in the field, get that under control early. So you don't host corn rootworm larvae. And then the other thing that has been getting some talk to Trevor is Cobra. We'll have to have you back on to talk white mold someday, but uh, I know Brian is real big on Cobra or Phoenix and utilizing that probably in about a month from now to try and get that first shot on white mold. Yeah, that's exactly right. An added benefit. You don't hear uh, many uh, fungicidal claims from an herbicide, but we do have that on, on Cobra and Phoenix. Um, and that's uh, we time that right around R1 is kind of optimum, right when those blooms, those first blooms are starting to drop and you're starting to get some uh, dead residue there that the uh, white mold can uh, uh, attack and sporulate on. And then um, you're right around that timing. So you uh, get the Cobra or Phoenix on there and the active ingredient and that is latched and it's PPO. And what that kind of does, it's almost a uh, amps up the soybeans natural defense mechanisms um you'll get the bronzing and the leaves and you can get this with only the six ounce rate so yeah, while that's, it's not that's a weed other, killing rate it's the that's that's the other thing too with it it's the low rate that does a great job helping out on white mold hey trevor we got to run but thank you so much for being on we really appreciate it we'll be right back after this what does it really mean to provide the best crop nutrition with AgroLiquid, it means getting a one-of-a-kind approach, one that caters to your specific agronomic needs. You're getting experts who will work with you to create a program unique to your operation, all while accounting for the quality of your soil and the products you're already using. It's not just a product. It's peace of mind, knowing we've thought of everything. That's the AgroLiquid way. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Come to the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event this summer. Here at Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support and encourage folks entering the ag industry. That's why we're devoting a full day, Saturday, June 25th, to the free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event. Though this day is geared towards high school and college students as well as young farmers, anyone with a desire to learn more about agronomy is more than welcome. Our hands-on sessions in the field will include a comprehensive guide to scouting, ways to improve soil and crop health, the role of natural microbes in farming, and how to best collect and manage on-farm data. Plus, we're giving away tens of thousands of dollars in scholarships to eligible attendees. So whether you're a college student or just want some good agronomy information, this is one event you won't want to miss. It's the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships Day, Saturday, June 25th on the Hefty Farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Learn more and register at agphd.com.
Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. In a world of Veltima fungicide. Hey, let's do it less dramatic. Just say Veltima fungicide. Okay, Veltima fungicide. No, that's literally the same. Veltima fungicide. Still doing it. Veltima fungicide does it. Seriously, we just need you to say Veltima fungicide. Swift, simple, and secure. Didn't I? Veltima fungicide from BASF in cornfields this summer. Come on in. The Ag PhD mailbag is about to begin. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, and we have reached the Ag PhD mailbag time where we answer your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD or by email, radio at agphd.com. We get a number of emails that have come in. And we're joined by my brother Brian now as we dive into the mailbag. All right, Brian, you ready for some questions? Go ahead. All right. Uh, first one that I got, this one comes in from Lucas in north central Alabama. He said, I picked up some new farm ground over the winter, getting ready to put soybeans in there for the first crop. And I soil tested the ground. It's it's poor to deficient on the fertility side. And, and I'm putting on three and a half tons of chicken litter. Now, my chances of rain are getting less and less as I get later into the spring here. The ground currently has adequate moisture and would no-till pretty well, but I'm worried about leaving that litter on the soil surface, so I feel like I have to work it in. Uh, Could I use a vertical tillage tool and just run a couple of inches? Will that do the job, or should I do something else? And then a herbicide question as well. So do you want to talk about the manure first, or do you want the herbicide question too? Because okay. I actually, so let, first, let me let me throw the herbicide question at you. That makes sense because you may want to okay. till this in too. Okay. He said, yep. "I have burnt. I have already burned down, but I plan to apply Authority MTZ and Prowl or Treflan, depending on my tillage decision." Oh, okay. Well, Treflan costs ten bucks an acre less. So if you did a little bit more aggressive tillage, I'm not saying plow, but I'm saying if you ran a field cultivator, that would be better. Number one for incorporating the manure and it would be better well you have to cover that trifluralin or you lose it so if you were to run out there with a vertical till machine all you're going to do is get a little bit of stuff in the ground not a whole lot now as far as that fertilizer goes our biggest concern is the loss of the phosphorus that's what we worry about from an environmental standpoint from a practical standpoint of your fertility needs for this year when you leave it on the soil surface, very little of the P and K will be available this year. More of it will be available if you do a little bit more aggressive tillage. So yeah, if it's me, I'm going to use the trifluralin along with my other pre's and I'm going to incorporate it immediately and that will, will work for both things. All right. Thanks for the questions. We appreciate that, Lucas, and good luck to you. 
I get this one from Sam down in Kansas. He said, hey, guys, uh, it's been a little bit since I've sent you a question. I am picking up some more farm ground, and this is great, uh, being a young farmer and, and expanding the operation. And I decided this is the year I needed to buy my first sprayer. So I'm getting all the licenses and appropriate certifications in Kansas and going through that training. But they don't really teach you the spraying common sense or answer a lot of new guy spraying questions. So I'm wondering... Could you give me a quick idiot's guide to spraying or spraying for beginners information? And then if there's any information sources you know of out there that I could seek out, uh, please let me know. Okay, that's a great question. I mean, we've talked about most all of those things on Ag PhD over the years. Do we have it all summarized? No. But I'll say this. In order to do your own spraying, you're going to need a license, a restricted-use pesticide license, or private pesticide applicator's license. Uh, could be commercial pesticide applicator license too. Either way, you're gonna have to go through some training. And in that training, they're gonna go through a lot of those basics. So I, I, I guess if I had a specific question, I, I could sure answer that. But otherwise, there's just so much to talk about and we only have a few minutes left of the show. Um, probably the biggest thing that I would say is what our dad always talked to us about is just making big mistakes. So you want to keep your mistakes to a minimum. And the biggest thing, in my opinion, that could cause a major problem is if you drift on somebody else's crop. So if you ever have a question, ooh, am I getting a little too close to the neighbor's crop? The answer is always yes. Stay further away. And you might just have to finish up some fields when the wind is blowing out of a different direction. So just be extra careful when you're spraying next to your neighbors. That's probably my number one piece of advice. Well, I think this too, uh, and you, you know a lot more than you think you do, Sam, because the questions that I would say, Brian, are, is it too windy to spray? And the answer to that is always yes. And is it too cold to spray or is it too hot to spray? The answer to those questions is yes as well. So if, if you're really yep. pushing the limits, but, that's something that yep. you got to say, you know, if I have uh, a week coming up where it's going to rain every day, then you got to make that judgment call. But if you say, gosh, there's lots of the spray days, I can get everything done in a few days. I just need to be patient. Uh, patience is really an important thing. But that's why it's nice owning your own sprayer, because now it's your decision rather than you being at the mercy of somebody else and whenever they have time to spray. Yeah, that's exactly right. Hey, Sam, good luck to oh, you. Hey, one, oh. Yeah, I, I was just going to add one thing. I, I, I just wanted to say great job, Sam, because this is one of the $100 an hour jobs that we often talk about. And quite frankly, it's probably a two or $300 an hour job with today's economics. So the, the point is trying to find jobs on your farm that will pay you the most money and spraying is usually one of those because it's not just, oh, I'm, I'm, I can hire a custom guy for X amount of dollars. We always have to look at it this way. If you're doing the job yourself, who's going to care more about your farm than you? You can do most likely in time a better job. You can be more fussy on when you're going to spray, and that usually means a little bit better results. All right. Good luck to you, Sam. And as you have specific questions along the way, please let us know. I got this one in from Anthony, and he said, guys, what is the deal with Roundup? I thought Roundup was banned, but I see a lot of guys still using Roundup. Is there some new redesigned Roundup up there, or, or what's the real story? <laughs> 
Well, Roundup, I, I don't know if it's actually gone this way yet or not, or if, if the date hasn't come yet. But anyway, Roundup is not supposed to be used by just regular homeowners. Let's say you got a yard or something like that. It's it's going to be more limited to people who are spraying as, as farmers, commercial applicators, that kind of thing. And that's probably good because, quite frankly, all the Roundup talk is just pure nonsense. Roundup never hurt anybody ever. It works on an enzyme found only in plants. It's one of the safest pesticides ever invented. But if city people are going to complain about it, then ban it from them. They don't need it anyway. We're the ones who need it out in the country, and we know how to use it. We're using it properly. We're using personal protective equipment when we spray it and all the right things. But again, Roundup is ridiculously safe. I have zero worries about it at all, ever hurting a human being, ever. There's no problem. But yes, uh, that that's what's happening. It's not for home use anymore. All right. Thanks for the question. We appreciate that. Got this one in from Geronimo. He said, I'm planting enlist soybeans using three pre's and Roundup for burndown. Now, I've got a lot of volunteer corn out there, and I'm wondering, can I put clethodim in the mix this early? If so, how big a sure. deal is this antagonism? And with tiny little volunteer corn, uh, how much should I increase my rate? Also, I'm planning on doing tillage with vertical tillage after I spray. How long do I have to wait? Ooh, because you're doing all that, I don't know if I'd worry all that much about the volunteer corn. If it's really little, how much are you going to chop up between the vertical tillage and the planting? And how much are, are the three pre's plus Roundup going to burn it down already? If you want to throw in a little clethodim, I guess what I'm suggesting is throw in the low rate, spend two or three bucks an acre, call it good. And yes, there's no reason why it can't be sprayed pre-emerge if you would like to do that in soybeans. You know, the clethodim works really slowly, Brian. Do you think a few days is plenty of time and then he can start doing his tillage? Well, okay. So we, we need to clarify this. When these volunteer corn herbicides first came out about 30, 40 years ago, people were really concerned because it, it sometimes will take a month before things look completely dead, especially if you used a really low rate. However, typically within 24 hours, the plant is essentially dead. So it might not look dead for a really long time, but it's done growing. It's done competing. You don't have to worry about it. So I'm not that concerned as long as he sprays one day, tills, Quite frankly, I'd just assume you wait two or three days. But even if it would happen to be the next day, it's not the end of the world. All right. Thanks for the question, Geronimo. Uh, and one more quick one here. We got 40 seconds left. Tom says, if I'm spraying Verdict to kill giant ragweed and corn, is it best for me to incorporate the Verdict or can I spray it without incorporation? You can spray it without incorporation. That'd be just fine. You're going to get good burn down activity. And then when you get rain, you'll get residual control as well. Yeah, we're just going to need residual control to, to get that part working. But, yeah, as far as the burn down of emerged weeds, no problem. No problem. Hey, thanks, Tom, for the question. Really appreciate that. And thanks to you for listening today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.